0: gentlemen
1: boys and girls welcome back to basketball conference the acc football podcast my name is joey weaver he is mike mcdaniel mike change my opinion duke's playing virginia next week it's for the coastal division championship oh
0: god oh god well tell me i'm wrong tell me i'm wrong i can't promise you you're wrong because hey we told you that excuse my French, shit would get weird, and it did, Joey. <laughs> it really, really did. Um, even worse than we thought, I think. Uh, coming into the weekend, we said, okay, well, it's only a handful of games. Nothing to really see here, except we see this every year. It was go ACC in full fashion. Really, really ugly and weird weekend for the conference.
1: Well, and, and here's the thing is that – we, we only had five games and only one of them ended with an objectively, you know, really different result than we were expecting. But again, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, just because we kind of eventually got to the win loss result that we were expecting with a lot of these games didn't mean that they all went really the way that we thought they were going to go. Um, your, your team in particular, we're going to get to them here in a second was like a perfect, you know, explanation of this, but Mike, let's, let's recap these games and let's start with, The shocking results of the weekend, and shocking is a relative term here because we told you that this very well could happen. The Virginia Cavaliers, 16, our number 16, beloved Miami Hurricanes, 13. Mike, the Canes coming off of a Florida State win, we said going to Scott Stadium, it's going to be like a, you know, like just a. I don't know, like a funeral up there or something like that. I mean, it's not going to be like an electric, exciting atmosphere. We had people yelling at us on YouTube about how, how dare us think Miami's not going to be up going into a primetime spot, as if Scott Stadium is some, you know, hornet's nest of a place to play, even at night. And wouldn't you know it, they come out flat, they outgain Virginia by 100 yards, and they still only manage 13 points, and they get
0: beat. Yeah, they did. And boy, did they look ugly doing it, didn't they? Oh, not man. Good. Um,
1: yeah, Tell so me about well, how Nicosi Perry's day went.
0: Yeah. Uh, not well, Joey. We'll get into that in two seconds. Real quick, um, you're speaking to the atmosphere and how it's a prime time spot. We use air quotes. Um, our boy, Matt Trogdon, who, first of all, love him, right? Love Matt mm-hmm. Trogdon. Love mm-hmm. me some Trogdon. Uh, also love messing with Trogdon. Called it <laughs> on Sunday. The thunderdome at scott stadium (laughs) and i think our boy trogan was serious and that was concerning um it was a funeral there it was like suck the life out of you granted they did have more fans in there than usual because it was miami but that is not an imposing atmosphere but that's okay
1: I i mean virginia fans rushed the field after the game and barely covered the logo at midfield let's put it that way like
0: it's like oh all the All the local kids from, uh, you know, the greater Charlottesville area, all the public schools took the school bus there and (laughs) got in for free, got a hot dog and a water. It it was a nice day. You know, absolutely. uh, That's how they got 20 fans there. Yeah. Uh, Good for Virginia here. Hey, Miami. Uh, That was fun, huh? Uh, What the hell? Hey. Joey, real quick we we talked about the cozy Perry it's like how did his day go uh not very well follow-up question is blink roseer the starter next Saturday they're off right are they off
1: i uh, maybe uh, I think they're off next week yeah but okay is let's Rose- let's, say, let's say that they're playing against a bye week next week I don't know who the starting quarterback is i yes I mean I think they're- you go back to Perry but for for those unaware Nikosi Perry comes out in this game as a starter. 3 of 6 for 20 yards and 2 picks, and Mark Richt pulls uh, pulls the leash on that one and, and uh, replaces him with his trusty Malik Rozier, who finishes the game 12 of 23 for 170 and a pick of his own. Still bad. What a mess, Mike. What a mess this situation is for Miami.
0: Yeah, it's a mess. Um, one of those interceptions by Nicosi Perry wasn't even his fault, and that was the one that got him pulled, so... Interesting. You just got ricted. Uh, We tried to warn them. You in particular really tried to warn them, them being Miami fans that, hey, this happens with Mark Rick teams. Uh, See Bulldogs, Georgia, like (laughs) repeatedly. Um, This happens where Mark Rick says, oh, but the veterans on the bench and he's won games before. Turns out he's also lost games before, Joey. So, hey, why go against the guy uh, who's got veteran pedigree when you can go with a guy with all this, You know, all this talent and ceiling and everything else. You know, let's just stick with the veteran. Um, Made that move quick, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He was like, you know what? My guy, Roger, is still over here. Let me put him back in. Uh, That is a really quick hook on a guy. Quick hook. Um, Granted, it was not the greatest of starts going three of six with uh, 20 yards and two picks. But, hey, I don't know. I'm really interested to see. By the way, Miami is off next week. But they play BC in two weeks. Who's the starter? That's the real question. On the flip side for Virginia, could Bryce Perkins start for Miami right now? Because Nicosi Perry has looked less than stellar the last couple weeks. And Bryce Perkins, not that great, but hey, he could be firmly in the Miami quarterback mix right now, couldn't
1: he? I mean, he threw three picks of his own in this game. Like, this game was just like a, 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 um, a tribute to not taking care of the ball in the passing game. Combined six interceptions from these teams in this game. Golly, what a mess. But at the end of the day, Mike, I mean, Virginia at home turns this into a a really messy, nasty, ugly game and comes out 16-13 winners. I I mean, is Virginia good? Is Miami bad? Is, Is Little of both? I don't really know. Like, what a weird game, Mike. What a weird, weird game.
0: I don't know if I learned more about Miami or Virginia in this game, honestly. I mean, Miami, Miami looks fraudulent, right? because uh, they almost blew it against Florida State. They had to make the comeback of the year um, last Saturday. They have to you know come storming back from down multiple scores. Uh, to come back and win that game against the Florida State team that looked pretty good last weekend. And now you come out and lay a complete and total goose egg against Virginia. Ooh, man. This is not good. This is – and we'll get into this later. The Coastal is bad, Joey. A little bit of foreshadowing for you. Uh, Coastal, real bad.
1: Yeah, we need to have a conversation about this later. I think we've covered this for as much as we can. Virginia 16, number 16, Miami 13. I don't know where we go from here. We'll, we'll Again, we'll come back to the coastal in a little bit. But actually, let's just stick with it for now. we got to talk about your Hokies, Mike. Uh, we knew that they were going to beat North Carolina. We did not know that they were going to need a 15-play, 98-yard drive at the end of the game to beat North Carolina. Or was it, excuse me, 18 plays, I believe. 18 uh, plays. Virginia Tech 21, North Carolina 19, as North Carolina sn- just seizes defeat out of the jaws of victory in this game. What? First of all, why did North Carolina have this game in the jaws of victory at the time? Like, what on God's green earth is going on in the ACC this weekend, Mike? This was,
0: <laughs> what in the world? This was uh, real bad. Um, North Carolina has the ball with, I don't know, a few minutes to go. They're inside the Virginia Tech five-yard line. Michael Carter had a great game for North Carolina, by the way, until he fumbled. Joey, nineteen to fourteen. Uh, North Carolina is leading Virginia Tech. Or I'm sorry, nineteen to thirteen. North Carolina is leading Virginia Tech, and then Michael Carter fumbled inside. They're, uh,
1: they're on the yeah. They're on the one or the two yard line.
0: Inside here. the three-yard line, he fumbles with I don't know four minutes to go and whoops uh virginia tech recovered and proceeded to go like you said 18 plays 98 yards touchdown Hokies they go for two and get it Uh, a couple big plays on that drive by ryan willis uh he had a cup he had his shaky moments we'll call them in this football game through a couple bad picks um made some questionable decisions but he made some plays when they counted um particularly on that final drive second week in a row Willis has shown grittiness when the Hokies have needed it the most right so date back to last Saturday against Notre Dame Um, Irish are up uh, what was it eight or nine points uh, you know heading into I don't know two two and a half minutes ago in the first half Ryan Willis leads Virginia Tech right down the field they score they're down by one at the break Uh, to Notre Dame, real gutsy drive there. He repeated that performance in an even bigger spot this Saturday against North Carolina, makes a couple crucial, huge third down throws, fourth and nine with less than two minutes to go, converts a huge running play. Uh, When the Hokies backs were against the wall, it was literally their final play. If they didn't get it, uh, they were able to convert there. And then, of course, he throws a game wing. He throws a short touchdown pass to Dalton Keene to give the Hokies the lead. Uh, with almost no time left on the clock. I think 19 seconds to go when North Carolina got the ball back. Real gritty performance by Ryan Willis. Uh, As you mentioned, North Carolina snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. They missed a couple field goals in the second half, which could have easily put the game away. Uh, Of course, had the ability to put the game away with that rushing touchdown that Michael Carter fumbled. They allowed Virginia Tech to convert multiple third downs and a fourth and nine on the 98-yard final drive that Virginia Tech had. The Hokies win. it was ugly, but they found a way. Uh, bottom line is neither of these teams are very good. I think I'm pretty safe in saying that. And one team in particular that won this game that I don't believe is very good, my alma mater, is now atop the Coastal Division at 3-0. and uh, By the way, r- real quick side note, one of Virginia Tech's losses to Old Dominion this year. Um, Old Dominion lost by three touchdowns to Marshall on Saturday. Um they are now what one in five on the season, uh, complete and total garbage. So that's where we're at,
1: Mike. North Carolina outgained Virginia Tech by almost 150 yards in this game. They go for 522 of total offense. Um, part of that thanks to Cade Fortin, who comes out starting at quarterback for the Tar Heels this game. Uh, that's a whole thing. He went 10 of 18 for 97 yards and he added 44 yards on the ground. I mean he, he was kind of complimentary to, to the rushing attack. Again, you mentioned Michael Carter had a huge game. 18 carries for 165 yards. If only if only it had been 167. North Carolina might have been, probably would have won this game. Here's the thing, Mike, is I'm looking at the SP plus rankings from Bill Connolly. Would you believe me if I told you that there are three teams in the ACC Coastal Division that are ranked higher than Virginia Tech is right now?
0: I would believe that.
1: Yeah, because those three teams are Miami at number seventeen, Duke at number thirty-two, and Virginia at number forty-eight. Virginia Tech finds themselves fifty-sixth overall with sixty-seventh-ranked uh, defense in S and P Plus. I like. I feel like we knew that this was going to be a little bit of a rebuild, but. I don't know. I'm I'm just very. I'm really messed up. I don't know what to think or what to believe. It's just a very weird game, a weird week, a weird season, frankly. And I'm I'm like losing. Uh, I'm losing a sense of who's good and who's not, and maybe nobody's any good, and you can't trust anybody at this point. I don't know.
0: In a normal season, I think Virginia Tech has at least three more losses in them, right? Mm-hmm. Um. This is not a normal season. So, would it surprise you if Virginia Tech goes, I don't know, 10 and 2 or I don't know, 9 and 3? Like, are either of those results shocking given the state of the coastal division right now? I mean, Virginia Tech's lone Atlantic division uh, opponent remaining is Boston College. Uh, Decent team can definitely beat Virginia Tech. Game is in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech's got Miami in Blacksburg. They got your Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. We'll get into them in a second because, ooh, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, mm-hmm. They got them in Blacksburg a week from Thursday. Um, yeah, they got Virginia at home, right? So the toughest games remaining, I can't even believe Virginia's in that context, but Virginia is one of the toughest games remaining on Virginia Tech's schedule. Hokies get all four of those games I just mentioned at home. Would surprise anybody if they go 9-3 or 10-2. It can't, given the state of this division. It's garbage. And,
1: I mean, I, I just I could not find myself shocked if Virginia Tech kind of stumbled their way into like a nine and three finish where they're actually ranked. They're not bad. like a, not even receiving votes in the AP, you know, kind of thing. Like,
0: and, and they're bad, right? <laughs> like, and they're a bad. Yeah. they're a bad team. It's like, wow, they're nine and three. They're like twentieth in the AP, and this team is atrocious. Like, what is happening this year? By the way, um, that
1: wins the Coastal Division.
0: It, uh might win it by a couple games. And yeah. It doesn't mean that Virginia Tech is, like, head and shoulders above everybody in the Coastal. It just means they're less, a little bit less trash than everybody in the Coastal. That's Got where a little we're bit at. Lucky
1: scheduling-wise, too.
0: Yeah, through seven weeks, I think that's where we're at.
1: I, I'm at a loss looking at this, because my eyes tell me that Virginia Tech, not particularly good this year, but then again, all this competition they keep playing, also not particularly good. Um, and and you squeak out a three point win. Yeah, it's a road game, you know, in a night spot and all that. But it's against North Carolina. I mean, if if Virginia Tech was the kind of team that we look back on and say, oh, they went seven and one and they they won the Coastal by two games and all this stuff, like you expect them to beat a, you know a crappy North Carolina team by more than three points in a comeback effort, right? That, that's all I'm saying. And I it's. It's all very confusing, confusing, and I'm just – I'm upset. I don't know what to think, Mike. It's all very bothersome to me. Let's move on. Okay. Virginia Tech 21, North Carolina 19. Uh, and another game featuring a team just punching way below its weight, number five, Notre Dame 19, Pittsburgh 14, in a game that Notre Dame made their absolute best effort to lose uh, – once again, I I don't know what happened here or how or why, um, but somehow Pitt kind of drags Notre Dame down to playing at their level, uh, and, and Notre Dame almost made it cost them or let let it cost them. Yeah, let it cost them. <sighs> weird weird game weird week. Mike,
0: make some sense of this for me,
1: please. What happened here?
0: Uh, Notre Dame gives up a kick return for a touchdown to start the second half. That was seven of the 14 points for Pittsburgh.
1: All right, uh, that, that makes plenty of sense, actually.
0: Kenny Pickett uh, totally picketed in this game, which means he was not very good. Uh, Pittsburgh ran the ball a little bit. And Ian Book threw a really bad first-half interception to set up the first Pittsburgh touchdown. Um, so there's your 14 points. And then Notre Dame basically just kicked a bunch of field goals with their all-time leading scorer, Justin Yoon, and then Ian Book threw a touchdown pass to the best receiver on the team, Miles Boykin, with about four minutes left. And then Pickett picketed, and <laughs> Notre Dame wins in South Bend. Um, that was uh, That's Notre Dame's letdown game, I think, because... <laughs> Uh, you have two huge weeks. You play Stanford at home, and then you go on the road to play Virginia Tech. Two huge night game spots. It's kind of hard to get up for Pittsburgh, but I will not make excuses. Um, that was a pitiful performance. Look what I did. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to make of this. I think Notre Dame's probably fine, uh, but I mean pittsburgh's not very good and they really struggled to score on that defense which i don't really understand 242 yards of offense on
1: 60 offensive plays for gross (laughs) gross yeah not not great averaging about four yards per play which is not really what you're going for there um I guess that's – I mean, maybe that explains the whole thing here is that Pitt gets one kickoff return for a touchdown, kind of a lucky, um, you know, major swing in a game that has a a total of like 33 points being scored. If you get seven of them on a kickoff return for a touchdown, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And then for the rest of it, again, they're just dragging Notre Dame down into this game. Um, I I don't know, man. Pitt goes 17 plays, 88 yards in their first drive of the game – uh Quadri Allison, you know, pounds it in for a nine yard touchdown at the end. And it, at some point, you know, it's it, I, I've come to expect Notre Dame to just, you know, absolutely just flatten people, right? I mean, and and maybe it's that they got down in this game in the first you know quarter and struggled. I don't know. Mike, I'm I'm like, I'm a loss. I don't know. Like, I, I I'm totally at a loss for what what's going on. I, I keep bringing this up. And this is not good podcast content, I feel like, but I'm just (laughs) just, I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm having like an existential crisis.
0: Yeah, but I feel like it's good podcast content in the sense that, like, nobody really knows what's going on. So we can all suffer through this together. Like, I mean, we're supposed to know what's going on. We're supposed to tell people who listen to this podcast what's going on. I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, And that's okay.
1: I thought spending a weekend on my couch, staring at the television, taking in as much football as I could was going to help, like, explain what's going on in college football a little bit. And it made it worse. It made it worse. I don't know. Pitt, like, how on earth does Notre Dame finish this game with 38 carries for 80 yards on the ground? Barely two yards per carry against Pitt? Pitt's
0: defense is ranked 89th in s and I mean, I mean,
1: man, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm lost. I don't it's know pretty
0: bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. I we're just this is where we're at here. Um, yeah, and it wasn't just in the ACC, Joey. I know we got a couple more games here uh, before we hand out some awards, but like LSU, freaking steamrolls Georgia, like. Michigan was a nine and a half point favorite. I was like, oh my God, that seems like a lot of points. So I took Wisconsin, unfortunately, and Michigan steamrolls Wisconsin in the big house. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon with the upset against Washington. Penn State finds a way to lose. Like complete and total chaos on Saturday across the country. West Virginia loses to Iowa State. Like it was not just the ACC. And we were telling you guys this in the preview too. Like, hey, If you're not interested in these games, like look across the country this weekend because there are a lot of really interesting games out there that could get pretty fun and a little bit weird. And it wasn't just the big games that were surprising, it was like some games in between. Like nobody saw West Virginia's loss coming, they only had 155 total yards. A West Virginia Will Greer operated offense, like there was some weird stuff happening. Florida finds a way to almost lose to Vanderbilt like four times they lose the turnover battle they lose time and possession they find a way to win like Tennessee goes to Jordan Hare and beats Auburn oh yeah thank you didn't even mention that Tennessee beats Auburn um SOS Gus SOS Gus Malzahn right
1: um, yeah UCF comes as close to their own mortality as they ever have in this giant win streak they've gone on it was yeah, long story God. short this whole Saturday in college football was an absolute cluster, Mike. I mean, it was a it was a mess, and and the ACC in no way was was uh, was immune from that. And so I guess maybe that's kind of what we're seeing. And I don't know. If there's a lot of rhyme or reason either as to how or when this whole thing pops up. But our picks certainly fell victim. We were we we agreed on all five games in the ACC, and we went one and four, which yeah tells you what you need to know. This was this caught all of us off guard. Um, I don't know. Just a weird weekend. I, I got nothing, Mike. I don't know. I don't get it.
0: Well, let's continue trudging on here and try to get through these last two and try to make sense of this next one in particular for you, Joey. Yes.
1: Let's, by the way, before we move on, number five, Notre Dame, 19 pit, 14. What the hell? We'll move on and talk about Duke 28, Georgia tech 14. And this game was uh, really infuriating. I'm not going to lie. I was real mad. I was yelling. I was cussing. All this stuff. Luckily, in the in the uh, sanctity of my own home, and uh, while the dog was getting groomed and my wife was out shopping. So, um, look, here's the thing: is that this game was played to a stalemate through 40 minutes of game time. Um, it was seven-seven with five minutes left in the third quarter. Now, what happened then? Georgia Tech loses a fumble. Let me tell you what happens then, dude. Tell me, four, jo- tell me Joey. Four plays, 57 yards, touchdown. Kick it off to Georgia Tech. First play, Taquan Marshall, fumble. Duke, five plays, 34 yards, touchdown. Kick it off. Fumble the kickoff. Duke, one play, six yards, touchdown. So with five minutes left in the third quarter, Duke and Georgia Tech tied at seven uh, seven apiece. Five minutes of game time and 10 offensive plays for Duke later. They're up 28-7 to and the whole thing was
0: over. I mean, that was it. You know what we call that, Joey? Georgia tech being a complete disaster. We call that offensive efficiency for the Duke blue devils. That's what we call that. that. Also that
1: yes. 10 plays, 21 points for Duke. Now, to be fair, again, that was two touchdown drives of a combined 40 yards. And I think what five or six plays. I mean, it was basically nothing. Um, Georgia Tech lets the thing get totally get get away from him. Taquan Marshall gets a little bit dinged up in this game. He he bangs up his left shoulder. He did not return. He was on the sideline and his shoulders in, you know, got some ice on it and the whole thing. Uh, this game was just it was frustrating. It's becoming very, very apparent that Georgia Tech in any way, shape, or form in the passing game is just completely ineffective. Um they finished the game a combined 7 of 17 for 125 yards and a touchdown, but that doesn't tell the whole story, and a lot of this really was, was – like, I mean, the first play of the game, Taquan Marshall drops back for a pass, and all four Duke linemen got there at the same time and sacked him. At this, I mean, it was like this just futile effort trying to, trying to throw the ball, and at that point, a well-coached defense like Duke's is just going to stall out this offense. To me, like this game was there was I mean, there was all sorts of nonsense that went on in this too. There was some really, really odd officiating going both ways. Um, there was a, a fight at one point shortly before halftime that got uh, Victor Alexander thrown out of the game for Georgia Tech, even though Duke's defender like ran at him and started it, and Alexander just kind of swung at him a couple times to defend himself and he gets thrown out of the game. And for some reason, the Duke player doesn't. I don't know about that. That was Brandon Feemster, by the way. Um the biggest if, if I'm looking for a positive takeaway for Georgia Tech, it's that their pass rush looked really good in this game. They got after Daniel Jones a whole bunch. It was some of the best pass rushing I've seen out of a Georgia Tech defense in years. Um, and yet uh Duke's still just a really well-coached team. They got some opportunities, they took advantage of them, and and that was that. Um it, it just at this point, Duke is a better football team. They are better coached. Their players are at least on a comparable talent level in a lot of cases. And at that point, if you don't have a significant talent advantage and you're worse coached, I mean, you're going to get beat, which is what happened to Georgia Tech here, and seems to continue to happen to them. And after two, I made the point late in the game, and I'll, I'll this is the last thing I'll say, Mike, is that I made the point late in the game. Georgia Tech looked really good the last two weeks against two bad teams. That being Bowling Green and Louisville, this week they took on a decent to even pretty good team, and they looked awful again. And I think this is where we're at with Georgia Tech in 2018, and that's that's really telling when you got a coach in year 11 with the program, and this is what you're seeing week in and week out against the the basic competition you can expect to play at any given point. So, really, really disheartening for Georgia Tech fans, myself in particular. But uh, there's a lot of uh, there continues to be a lot of chatter about what does the future of this program look like. Uh, following the conclusion of the 2018 season. Some
0: people even hoping it's sooner than that. Um, are we sure Duke's pretty good? Mm. I mean, Virginia Tech beat them by multiple scores. I don't think Virginia Tech's that good. Like, yeah. Are we I sure?
1: Mean, <laughs> I mean, so let's say it this way. They're opportunistic, at the very least. Again, I mean, they, they they scored 21 points off of three turnovers in a row that to kind of put this game away. Um, their defense is legitimately pretty good. I mean, Joe Giles, Harris, and Ben Humphreys combined for 26 tackles in this game. Yeah, they're
0: real good. Yeah, um, Joe Giles, Harris, stud.
1: Yeah, he, he's he's a baller. Um, Daniel Jones, I, I'm going to say this about Daniel Jones. He, I mean, yeah, he came back from this whole collarbone thing. He doesn't really look right. Nope. He's he's a little bit of if you're if you're a uh, an NFL guy. He's a little bit of where Andrew Luck is, I think, where he's kind of come back from these injuries, but it's clear that they don't want him throwing a pass more than like 20 yards down the field. Yep. Something doesn't quite look right with Daniel Jones to some degree. And and he's a, you know, he's old enough, he's talented enough and all this to where he can avoid screwing up the game, maybe. But I don't think he's the dynamic game-breaking quarterback we thought he was going to be two years ago when he was lighting a lot of people up as a freshman.
0: Yep. Uh, I was wrong about Daniel Jones. When? Like recently or uh, a uh, while ago? He, or? Uh, first year of our podcast. when we were like, oh, yeah, Daniel Jones. Hell, yeah. Best best quarterback in the ACC in two years. I mean, yeah. Uh, that's that's, uh, that's he, my wrong sound.
1: I, I mean, we can all see why you thought that two years ago. I'll give you that. I, but – Totally. I mean, between last year, which was just a strange, you know, poor developing year for Daniel, and then this year, kind of coming off the injury, he's. I mean, he's been a little bit better this year than he was last year, but I think with the injury thrown in there, he, he, I mean, we we really thought two years ago that he was going to be Cutcliffe's next NFL product as a quarterback,
0: and, and he still and he still might be right, but. Uh... Mm-hmm. I mean, he's
1: completing 68% of his passes this year. I mean, that's good. That is good. How far are they, are they down the field? Six, how, down how,
0: yeah, that's that's the averaging
1: barely Fairly more than eight yards per attempt for what that's worth. Mm. Which yeah. also, for what it's worth, is his career high. It was six and a half and barely six in the last two years. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Daniel Jones was, was made to look good as a freshman and has struggled to develop past that. I don't know. It's hard to explain what he is at this point.
0: Uh, this podcast is making me want to stab myself in the stomach. That's kind of where we're at here.
1: It's really not like a happy place to be right now. <laughs> this and is. I, I'm having existential might... crisis over here,
0: and <laughs> God, I'm coughing. This might be a. This might actually be a trash podcast. Or the this people out there. Summer. Yeah. Or people out there just really enjoying it. I don't think it's anything that we have or haven't brought to the table here. It's just like a really rough week and there's just no two ways around it I mean this is just kind of how it is everybody sorry um, not our fault I don't think but kind of hard to bring it when you have Virginia upsetting Miami you got Virginia Tech struggling to beat North Carolina Notre Dame struggling to beat Pitt Duke scoring three touchdowns in five minutes to beat Georgia Tech like we'll surefire get the- playoff team
1: Notre Dame now struggling to beat Pitt I mean the whole th- yeah it's a mess yeah. Mike, let's let's say this. Duke 28, Georgia Tech 14. You want to know the one game I can make some sense of? Uh
0: Louisville's really, really bad, Joey.
1: Yeah, that's our last one. Boston College 38, Louisville 20. This is the this is the one that kind of went the way that we thought it was might. Um, no AJ Dillon for Boston College, and it didn't matter. They they kind of run it up in the fourth quarter here. Uh, Louisville just they're quitting, Mike. They're quitting, they're done. This is over. Louisville's staring down the barrel of, like, this is going to top out, like, three and nine. And that's that's only if they beat Wake Forest here in two weeks, which Wake's having their own kind of problems. But I trust Dave Clawson to coach circles around Bobby Petrino and Brian Van Gorder at this point in the season. I think Louisville might be staring at a two and ten season. And if that's the case, I told you so. I told you so, Mike. I told you they
0: were going to be bad. Yeah, but then I think when we did our podcast, we did more. We're like, yeah, seven and five. I can see it. He was convincing. He was. Uh, We need to get him back on the podcast. One, he was a really good guest. Number two, uh, he said, for better or worse, to make sure we invited him back on during the season. So we need to make sure we do that because he has pretty solid knowledge of the entire conference. So it'll be good to have him on. Plus, he he can do that. He could try to explain this Louisville thing away for us. He's one of our favorite guests we've ever had, so it'll be nice to have him on. Um, oh, great. For yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, okay. BC's better than Louisville. Uh, didn't need AJ Dillon, and they won by a lot. I don't really have much to say other than uh, Bobby Petrino uh, doesn't know what he's doing with the quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks don't know what Bobby Petrino is doing with them because Bobby Petrino apparently just doesn't tell them. According to the Courier Journal in Louisville, um, he is making quarterback changes without any of the quarterbacks knowing they're just hey you're in okay uh i guess i get to play now that's what's happening at louisville right now uh which you know next question uh what is bobby petrino doing uh
1: like like at the moment or like with his life or there's, there's a lot of ways i could take that question mike
0: yeah i think we should probably just leave that there then um I mean, last last time we tried to figure out what he was doing with his wife, uh, the Arkansas motorcycle accident happened. So. I said life, not yes. wife. Why did you yes. take it
1: there? Uh, yeah. What did you do, Mike? What, did, what, well, no. what are why, we? Yeah. What is both, the show at
0: this point? Both life and wife are interchangeable in that case because, oof. I was
1: already um, having an existential
0: crisis. You just made it worse. Yeah. Well. Golly. Hope, hope it was worth it, Bobby. All right. Uh <laughs> Uh, BC 38 Louisville 20. I'm going to take your job for you on that one because I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Goodness. Let's get the hell out of
1: here. All right. We got some awards, Mike. And then we, we actually do, um for, for those wondering, we are going to come back. We've got a, a another segment here at the end just to kind of take some inventory midseason here, as we'll say. But let's do some awards first for week seven. We got a go ACC moment of the week, Mike, and it's one that you were there to witness up close and in person.
0: Oh, yeah. <sighs>
1: You had it, Mark, North Carolina. You had it. You had it.
0: You really had it. Um, the go ACC moment of the week goes to, well, it goes to Michael Carter for fumbling inside the three-yard line when North Carolina was trying to put the game on ice with less than five minutes to go. Uh, sorry. True. Yeah. Um, you tr- or, Yeah, that's that's certainly the go ACC moment of the week. Um, we, we could also give it to the North Carolina defense for their – Lack of ability to uh, tackle Ryan Willis on fourth down and 11 with really no time left that set up the game-winning touchdown for Virginia Tech. So, I mean, either way, but we'll go with the Carter fumble. There
1: were so many opportunities in this game. You mentioned the one long pass that North Carolina had until the receiver dropped the ball that hit him in the hands even though he was like 5 yards behind the yeah. defense. I mean, didn't
0: even didn't even mention that when we were talking about the game, but Daz Newsom literally got 5 or 6 yards behind the uh, behind the Virginia Tech defense and dropped a pass in the first quarter that would have been I mean, easy touchdown. He's jogging to the end zone. Larry Fedora coaches circles around Fuente, which is troubling. Probably should have brought that up during that uh, recap of the game as well. So, uh Dora put him in position, but the players did not even come close to executing, and the Michael Carter play was really the icing on the cake to an otherwise really good game for him. So, unfortunate, but you get the Go ACC moment of the week.
1: Man, you go a lot of directions with that. Go ACC to you, Michael Carter. Uh, you had it. You had it. Uh, let's go to the Brian Van Gorder Memorial you tried award, Mike, and uh, it goes to our good friend Mark Ricks and our, our beloved Miami Hurricanes. He, he is – trying his damnedest Mike to manage this quarterback situation and it's it's going okay that might be
0: too much credit though uh yeah it's way too much credit uh he has (laughs) a really good young redshirt freshman quarterback who threw two picks in his first six passes one of them was not his fault he goes back to Malik Malik Rozier and we've seen this movie before uh Rozier sucks and Perry wasn't great either, and Rick does not know what to do other than play his vets because that's what he always does. Um, yeah, Cam Underwood wants to run through a wall. Um, he wants to line up under center. Um, poor Cam. It's bad. Uh, Mark Richt trying to manage quarterbacks. Is the BBG Memorial You Tried Award of the Week for Week 7? Really bad. Mike,
1: we always knew it would come to this. I told him. I told him a while ago. I've seen you this in fans five years ago. You warned him. You love Mark Richt. You love Mark Richt. And then he does some stuff that you're just like, hey, hold on. One, one more time? One more time? And then before you know it, it's too late, and you've lost to Virginia in Scott Stadium. So they're call- it, I mean, look.
0: And, and they're calling it an Al Golden loss, too, which is uh, not ideal. Y'all trying to run ideal. him out of town? yeah. That's, uh, Damn. Whew, woof.
1: I wonder what Jimmy Johnson's doing.
0: Mm. Well, <laughs> Fox NFL Sunday, if they really want him,
1: <laughs> He's still covering that NFL, Mike. He's got to know better than Mark Richt. Anyway. Hey,
0: I mean, it worked, worked out for John Gruden. I mean, he covered the NFL, got himself a Raiders job and now can't coach. So whoops, <laughs> but he's got a great contract. So, hey, Jimmy Johnson, what you doing?
1: You up? There you go. There you go.
0: So, Mark Richt, uh,
1: you tried to manage your quarterback situation, and really may- might have just made it worse. Uh, Mike, dumpster fire of the week. What we've we've typically been a lot more targeted with this, but I think there's a certain theme going on in this show this week that the dumpster fire of the week right now is just kind of a collective idea. There are there are seven teams that belong to a division right now that look like a complete and total abject disaster. And I think they might collectively be a dumpster fire.
0: Yeah. The coastal division in the ACC is our dumpster fire of the week. And really it's a dumpster fire of the year. Cause at least you can point to the Atlantic and say, Oh, they have Clemson. Oh, NC state's pretty good. Oh, look, BC bounced back. They seem to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. Florida state. Hey, they got some talent. They look like they're trying to get things together. At least it looked that way against Miami. Right. It's like, Oh, there's, there's the Atlantic. And then there's the coastal. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami loses to Virginia. Virginia can't really move the ball in offense. Perkins throws three picks and um, cutting off the nose despite his face, they still win the game. Uh, North Carolina looked like they could have been in first place in the Coastal Division for, I don't know, 58 minutes to the game on Saturday at home against Virginia Tech. They find a way to blow it and lose to a Virginia Tech team that, hey, lost to Old Dominion that's one in five. Uh, In Conference USA, Old Dominion might not win a game the rest of the year. And that's one of Virginia Tech's two losses on the year. So we got that. Um, Oh, Pitt, real bad. Almost beat Notre Dame, but they're bad. Um, Oh, Duke, right? Uh, Duke, one of the best teams in the Coastal, I was told, until Virginia Tech went down to Durham and whooped that ass three weeks ago. So don't tell me Duke's any good. Um, The only reason Duke beat Georgia Tech is because of fumble luck. Speaking of Georgia Tech, they lost to Duke. What the hell are they doing? Um, they found a way to lose that game. Oh, just atrocious.
1: It's a mess, Mike. It's real bad. I mean, It's real
0: bad. It's real, real bad, Joey. It's real bad.
1: So that, that thing I said uh, to begin the show about Virginia and Duke being for the ACC Coastal Championship next week, I mean, I was – Mostly joking, but not entirely because, frankly, Virginia's got a win over Miami. And there's not anybody else in the division that I look at that is like definitely going to beat Virginia, except for the fact that Virginia hasn't beaten Virginia Tech in like a decade and a half. Yeah,
0: but do you think they're scared of going into Blacksburg this year? I wouldn't be. If that game were in Scott Stadium even then, uh, whew, maybe, I don't know. Careful, careful. Tech only beat Virginia 10 nothing in Scott Stadium last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The Thunderdome,
0: the Thunderdome.
1: Thunder oh Thunderdome. God. Jesus. I just I don't know, man. This is a mess. So let's 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 take this where we're going to take it, Mike. So I, I mentioned that there was going to be one more segment we were going to do. So we, this is usually where we would end our weekly recap, but given that there were only 5 games this week, um, and there's only four next week. We, we wanted to take the opportunity. We're about halfway through the season here. Wanted to kind of, quote unquote, take inventory. You know, what do we know about these teams? Are they better or are they worse than we thought they were going to be? Let's. What I want to do, let's talk about the Coastal Division tonight. And then what we're going to do is when we come back to preview week eight, again, when there's only four games, uh, we can talk the Atlantic Division there has been a lot of moving pieces this this season, and we had some preseason expectations. So, again, let's just kind of walk through uh, how we feel about these teams relative to what we were expecting, you know, maybe a couple of months ago. Yep. Um, and we'll start from the the bottom of the Coastal Division. And right now at 1-3 and three in conference, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about Georgia Tech now relative to your feelings about, you know, call it a month ago?
0: I thought they would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, so... I feel worse. Uh, I have Georgia Tech. I had Georgia Tech in my preseason preview. I'm pulling this up because I just—it's existence is pain, Joey. <laughs> It's—it's mm-hmm. really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had Georgia Tech four and four in conference play and seven and five overall, which is still an attainable goal, I think. But mathematically, that, perhaps. Yeah, uh, but with that being said, like they are definitely worse than I thought they would be. Uh, there's Defense, uh, work in progress. Offense, certainly worse. Um, Paul Johnson's coaching ability, certainly worse. Yeah, they're worse than I thought.
1: I I'm right there with you. I, I've been really disappointed, and it's it's really part of what's really irritating about this is recognizing that there were there were two games that they should have won on here. Um, they're lost to South Florida and they're lost to Pittsburgh in weeks two and three. I mean. Both of those in their own way were games that Georgia Tech should have won, and in several cases, their offense has been really effective at times this year, but teams that have been able to kind of slow down and muck up their rushing attack, Georgia Tech's had no answer in the passing game, and that's the thing that's been just infuriating to watch, you know, and the offensive line play – I feel like there's been a lot of major coaching issues with this team over the last couple of years. And that's that's where I start to get really concerned is that for a while I could excuse, you know, some below average recruiting within the ACC context by saying, well, but they're well coached. So it's not a problem. This team's not that well coached, Mike. The the defense is getting better week by week, and that's good. But the fact that the offense is poorly coached for the first time that I can say this, you know, in years under Paul Johnson, is very, very concerning. And I, I don't have a lot of faith that this is going to get any better. I Feel like I'm about to lose the money that I bet on them to win six plus games this year. Um, I, 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 it's not good. Georgia Tech, not good this year. Not nearly what we thought they were going to be. Yeah, at bad. one, at one and two in the Coastal Division in sixth place, the North Carolina Tar Heels, who. Let's, I'm not going to lie, Mike. I, I had minimal expectations. I think we were between them and Virginia being like the worst team in the coastal preseason. North Carolina started out the season real bad losses at Cal and at ECU. It wasn't pretty. They came back and beat Pitt and now they almost beat Virginia. They're starting to show some signs of life. They got, they got some guys back from suspension and they're starting to show some signs of life here. Is this them dragging other teams down to their level or are, is North Carolina getting better as we get you know midway into the season here? Uh,
0: I think they're getting better, but right now they're about what I thought they would be. I uh, mm-hmm. thought they would be – I mean, I picked them last in the Coastal. Um, they're about what I thought they would be, but I think they are going to end up I, – I mean, I, I picked them to go 4-8, and eight, so I mean, I think they can get there, right? Um, Five wins, probably not completely and totally out of the question. Uh, It would take a hell of a second half of the year to get there. But, I mean, four wins certainly within the realm of possibility. North Carolina, I think, is definitely getting better. But I think as far as the end result goes, I think it's going to be right around where I thought, if that makes sense.
1: It totally does, and I I think I I agree. They're probably getting a little bit better. They're going to win a couple games down the stretch. They'll beat Western Carolina in in November. They're probably going to jump up and beat – a Syracuse or a Georgia Tech or hell even a Virginia Duke or NC State at this point. I mean, who even knows? Um, but yeah, let's let's just say this: they're one and four, and the only reason it's not any worse is because the UCF game was canceled. Yeah, um, I, I mean, they would have gotten smoked in that game too. So North Carolina maybe getting better, but still not going to make a bowl game. That's it. Nope. They're- at one and one in fifth place, the Duke Blue Devils, and we've talked a little bit about you know Daniel Jones in this podcast and their and their offense and some stuff. I'm thinking Duke is kind of kind of what we thought they were, except maybe not in the context of the division. Like they're about what we thought they were going to be, but the rest of the division being worse means that Duke is going to look better and, and and have some better results. That's kind of where I'm at. I think.
0: Yep. Uh, I thought Duke was probably like seven and five, and seems like they're well on their way. So this is about what I thought. I mean, a lot of people were really high on Duke. I was not one of them. I thought they would be fine. I didn't think they would be terrible. It's kind of where we're at.
1: Mike, if if let's, I'm looking at the remaining schedule here: Virginia at home, at Pittsburgh, at Miami, home against UNC, at Clemson, home against Wake Forest. I'm just gonna throw it out there. At five and one now, and with that remaining six games, ten and two is on the table for this Duke team.
0: Yeah, ten and two is on the table, and it would be a bad ten and two, right? Like, w- would you look at them and be like, "Man, it's the same thing we were talking about with Virginia Tech earlier." It's like, "Man, they went ten and two. Like, how the hell did that happen?" It would be um, an underwhelming ten and two. That's for it. Sure. Would it would for sure. Um.
1: Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get beat. In Death Valley, and I say things like this with, you know, a lot of confidence and then only watch them damn near beat. Joey,
0: Joey, we could have we could have Virginia Tech and Duke for as bad as the Coastal is. We could have Virginia Tech and Duke at 10 and 2. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, my God. That's on the table. Oh, my God. And it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Actually, it could it could absolutely happen. Virginia Tech's toughest games are at home. Duke mm-hmm. can certainly go five and one in the last six, given their schedule. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, two ten it's and on two teams in the coastal, and neither of them being any good. Oh, this is give, the
1: darkest timeline, Mike.
0: Give it to me. Inject this is the that, darkest timeline. Inject that ACC porn into my veins. That would be mm. amazing. That would be amazing. Go ACC content. Two ten and two teams, probably both in the top twenty. Neither of them are actually any good. That would be
1: unbelievable. This show is officially 100% off the rails. Uh, Talking about injecting adult entertainment into our veins. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Pitt at two and one in conference. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're checking the record books on this one. Pitt has defeated Georgia Tech and Syracuse and has lost to UNC, which that is just, that's, that's something to explain by itself. Pitt at three and four? This is no, they're not that. Is Pitt making a bowl game here, Mike? I said six and six.
0: Duke at Virginia, Virginia Tech at Wake at Miami. I mean, if they get to a bowl game, they're probably spoiling our 10 and two, 10 and two prediction we just
1: had. Uh, hey, how about this? Pitt could finish three and nine, they could lose out. That's on the table, too. Duke at Virginia, Virginia Tech at Wake at Miami. Tell me there's one of those games they can't lose.
0: Uh, you won't be hearing that from me.
1: Yeah, that's on the table. Pitt and a bowl game is probably also on the table. I mean, hell. Certainly. <laughs> With this division right now. Uh, yeah, Panthers, I don't know that they're really any better than I thought they were going to be preseason. But, a- again, kind of in the, in the sense of Duke is like being – You know, kind of what we thought they would be, but in the context of a division that's less than we thought it was going to be is probably kind of where you're getting a result from here. I don't know. Number three, the Coastal Division right now, you heard this right. The Miami Hurricanes at 2-1 and coming off this loss to Virginia. They are uh, now behind the Cavaliers in the standings. Miami at 5-2. and They got a road game in Chestnut Hill next week. Uh, not, well, not this coming week, but the week after against the Boston College Eagles. That'll be fun. They
0: got a- A-J it. A.J. Dillon will definitely be back, too.
1: Yep. That'll be fun. They got back to back road games in Atlanta and Blacksburg in November. I mean, that could go downhill a little bit kind of quickly. So keep an eye on that one. Miami, certainly not what they were last year. Leave, you know, we'll, we'll say that
0: uh cam predicted i think 11 and 1 on the podcast or 10 and 2 i don't i don't want to sell him short I, I, I can't remember what he said he said either 11 and 1 or 10 and 2 i said 10 and 2 you said i can't remember 9 and 3 or 10 and 2 i might have um, been at
1: 9 and 3 i can't remember
0: yeah i can't remember either um but the stretch that we were talking about is was the bc virginia tech um georgia tech stretch of their schedule i've I, Uh, Georgia Tech, they played Georgia Tech first, I think, before Virginia Tech. But anyway, we're talking about that three game stretch, right? Where, hey, Miami could drop one there. But by virtue of losing to Virginia at Scott Stadium, like you need to win at BC, at Virginia Tech. Are they on the road to Georgia Tech? Are they at home? Uh, They're in
1: Atlanta for that. They're in Atlanta.
0: Oh, yeah. Of course they're in Atlanta because they won on that Mm -hmm. miracle at home last year. Um, Yeah. So you're telling me they might not drop one of those three games coming up at the very least. So yeah, I think by virtue of losing to Virginia, Miami definitely has to be worse than they thought. Um, the cozy Perry playing early in the year though, that was better than we thought. So toss up. Yeah,
1: yeah that's progress. I'll give them that. Uh, by the way, I had Miami at 10 and two, uh, I had a loss against Boston college and a loss to LSU to start the year. So, oops. Um, well, to be fair, I, I, I mean, we could see they could still lose to Boston College and it could go down. I mean, who knows? This, this seems like a year where someone's going
0: to win the Coastal Division at five and three, Mike, for what that's worth. Yep. 100 percent. And that's probably the most likely scenario, in all honesty, is a team wins a division at five and three. Um, I think that's well within play. I think that's where we're at. At two and one, the Virginia Cavaliers are in second
1: place in the ACC Coastal Division. They are 4-2 and two and have already beaten the 3-9 and nine projection I had for them this year. If you're a Virginia fan, I want to apologize. I had it wrong. Uh, Broncos figuring something out there. And we might be bowing down to our new Virginia overlords at the end of this year, Mike. Oh, I regret God. to inform you.
0: Yeah, don't, don't, don't do not don't that to me. Um, yeah, Virginia's better than I thought. I had them predicted 5-7 and seven in my season preview. Um, I mean... I mean, they're better than I thought. I don't know. Bryce Perkins, I, he hasn't been great all the time, but he's been good when it's counted for the most part, this Miami game notwithstanding. And he brings a different element to the offense, and they're much more difficult to defend on offense. You know, we talked about the defense at length at the beginning of the year and talked about how, you know, they're losing a major player at each level of the defense. It really hasn't mattered. The defense has been pretty good all year for Virginia. It's certainly the strength of the team. So. You lean on a strong defense. You have a pretty good rushing attack with Jordan Ellis in particular, and you add Bryce Perkins in the mix doing a little bit of everything uh, when he's at his best. And you got a competent offense at Virginia. you got a competent defense, and the team is better as a result. So, yeah, Virginia's better. They're definitely going to make a bowl game. Um, I would be shocked if, if the season went that far downhill where they didn't make a bowl game at this point. So, yeah, I think the Cavaliers are better. I think so.
1: Lastly, Mike, your Virginia Tech Hokies at 3 and 0. They are atop the coastal division. Four and two mm. overall, three and and0 in conference. And, and it's interesting because I, I look at it, my preseason projection, I had them at seven and five. I had them at four and four in conference. And there's only actually one game that they've won so far that I didn't think they were going to, and that was the opener against Florida State. Other than mm-hmm. that, a lot of Virginia Tech's tougher games still remain. Um you do get Georgia Tech at home here on a Thursday night coming up next week. But then you got Boston College at Pittsburgh, where they've notoriously had some problems. They get Miami, and then they get Virginia. As you mentioned, four of five games to end the year are at home. But, again, those are some of the tougher opponents you play, and you want to play them at home. But there is room for further error in here for uh, for Virginia Tech, I think.
0: Room for error, and I'm fully expecting the error to come to pass. Um, This is not going to be good, I think, down the stretch. I think Tech is more than likely to lose two of the remaining games on their schedule based on what I've seen um, through the majority of the season. I thought they would be 4-2 and at the bye. Uh, That was a pretty safe prediction. They are 4-2 and at the bye, but how they got there was not how we expected them to. Uh, Beating Florida State in the opener, which seemed like A gigantic win. Turns out Florida State, uh, maybe not that great. They're in a rebuild, whatever. Uh, Tech loses to Old Dominion. Like I've mentioned several times on this podcast, Old Dominion sucks. They're not very good. And then Virginia Tech very nearly loses to North Carolina on the road. They don't. They get the win uh, the week after getting smashed in Blacksburg by Notre Dame in the second half. So this is about what we thought with Virginia Tech. I think the defense is probably a little bit worse than I expected, even in a rebuild. I probably gave Bud Foster a little bit too much credit um, after the opener when I said, oh, best defensive coordinator ever. I think that was maybe a bold statement. Uh, Hasn't looked great since then. Some of it's his fault. Some of it's not. Coach Fuente making a bunch of questionable decisions in game all throughout the year. Bottom line, it's a young team. And this is about where I thought they'd be, but the defense might be a little bit worse.
1: So, Mike, here it is. I had Miami winning the coastal. I believe you did too. I did. You sticking by that?
0: I am not. Who you got? I got Virginia Tech winning the coastal. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. Do I don't know. I
1: it's like I kind of don't think Miami will, but I mean, if they don't, then who kind of situation? I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in like any of these teams to give me a consistent performance on a week-to-week basis outside of maybe like a Virginia, but even that's a Virginia team that found a way to get beat by two touchdowns at NC state and this kind of thing. I mean, who's the best team in the coastal division right now? I don't even
0: know. I don't know. This is a weird year
1: and, and a, A lot of teams
0: having a down year here. It's who's it's not who's the best team in the coastal. It's who's the least bad team in the coastal. (laughs) That's that's the question. It's it's not who's the best. It's who's not the worst. All Um, right, I'll allow it. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at here because, I mean, let's be honest. The worst team in the coastal right now is, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it's I mean it is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets by virtue of record, but are they like really the worst team in the coastal? I mean, I.
1: That, that's the thing is to me that the worst team in the coastal is a, a like a neck and neck three horse race between Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, and North Carolina. Right. We've already seen Pitt beat Georgia Tech. We've seen North Carolina beat Pitt. Georgia Tech going to Chapel Hill, I believe, here in a couple weeks. That might, uh, that might settle it.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I think we can settle this. And speaking of settling it, um, the margin for error between the worst team in the coastal and the best team in the coastal right now is basically zero, if not zero. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. There's no, I mean, Miami loses to Virginia. We thought Miami might be the best team. Virginia Tech very nearly loses to North Carolina. They got Georgia Tech next, the worst team in the Coastal. By virtue of record, Georgia Tech loses to Pitt. They lose to Duke. Like, uh,
1: That's the thing is that like as, as down as I am on Georgia Tech, I also recognize that there's not a team left on the schedule in the division that they can't beat. You tell me that they can't beat Miami in Atlanta, that they can't go to Blacksburg and beat Virginia Tech. I mean, there's again, there's none of these teams that you feel so good about that they they can't get beat by someone else in the division. So, uh, for what it's worth, Mike, I'll end with this. I saw today, and and I want to confirm and make sure all the people out there are aware that it is still a you know an absolute mathematical possibility. That all seven teams in the ACC Coastal Division finished four and four. And that could be the point that we are finally headed towards. After long last, at long last, we are headed for quite potentially a seven team makeup of four and four teams. And that would just be a hell of a go ACC party, Mike. That would be a party.
0: It would, and that is so 2018, isn't it? That is just how it's gone and how it should go, uh, considering what we've looked at so far. This has been really, really bad through the first half of the year. Can't wait to see how much worse it gets. It's been a
1: super weird year. All right, well, anyways, Mike, that wraps up the Coastal here at Midyear. We're going to come back, and we're going to preview Week 8, along with a bit of a midyear inventory on uh, the Atlantic Division, which is – a little bit better defined at this point. So that should be a little bit less of a meandering, um, soul searching kind of session there. Uh, yep. we're gonna come back and do that later this week. Uh, in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey, he is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast Acc. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yep. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And, Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias.
0: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there, Joey.
1: Yes, please do. Please do. If you haven't rated us yet, please do that. That is very helpful. And, finally, Mike, they can find us on YouTube. They can go search for basketball conference. They can find our videos uh, of these recordings posted. If you want to see me wearing uh, a shirt rep in a team that is no longer in the postseason of the baseball season, uh, you can come check that out there. And by the way, we have a bit of a budding comment section, although be warned if you are going to go on there and talk a bunch of nonsense about how, how dare I say that Miami won't get up for a night game at Scott Stadium. Your team better win, Joey. You get whatever's coming. You, you have earned whatever happens. So uh, just, just be aware of that. But uh,
0: please come in and check out our videos and, and comment on them. Please do. Yep. Uh, Mike, anything else
1: before we get out of here?
0: We made a lot of jokes, but Joey, this is actually a pretty good podcast, I think. I think the people will enjoy this, despite how bad the games were this weekend. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there,
1: Mike. I think this podcast has been an excellent representation of the ACC Coastal Division this year so far. Okay, we'll leave that there. Some good, some bad. Overall, pretty entertaining. It's been fun. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to do it again and maybe have a much more organized and predictable Atlantic podcast here in a couple of days. Uh, yeah that's <laughs> sure why not all right mike let's come back and re and preview of those week eight games all, all almost five of them
0: oh, almost uh barely four actually but yeah
1: yeah we'll do that okay
0: all right well until next time for mr mike
1: mcdaniel i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you again soon and until next time OECC. <laughs>